The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Let's say a reading from the 22nd chapter, beginning at the 14th verse. It's titled, The Institution of the Lord's Supper. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until, until the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes at it as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As, as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus and as a priest, as the years have gone by, I have come to more and more fall in love with Holy Communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, the Eucharist. And I love our uh, the weight of Anglicanism, the weight that we place on Holy Communion, that we consider it so vital, so life-giving, so lovely, so essential, so memorable, that we have a practice in most Anglican churches of having Holy Communion every Sunday, and oftentimes uh, in the midweek as well. Uh, it says it's a very important deck in our, card, uh, our cards of thought and theology and liturgy. I love that. I love also that with our liturgy, we give a wonderful 50-50 kind of balance to Holy Communion and God's Word, the Holy Scriptures. Uh, as Gary even mentioned on Sunday, as a practice, we as a denomination have um, four readings a Sunday at a service. Uh, that's a lot of Bible for a one-time sitting. Uh, many denominations will have one reading for, you know, for, that, for that morning. And uh, it's not to say that that's all we're supposed to get. It really is saying that, uh, yes, it's so important. Let us do this day by day as well. And when we come to the climactic Sunday, the first day of the week, we're going to even read more of it than we usually do as a, a personal and private practice. I want to only say three things about this marvelous tradition, this marvelous sacrament that we enjoy because of the limits of time. And one is to see very clearly from today's readings that it is rooted in the Passover sacrifice told in the Old Testament. Something that is uh, at the heart and center of Judaism is the annual occasion of Passover, a remembrance of profound deliverance from centuries of slave enslavement, of suffering and death, and a reminder that in order for God to act, required a sacrifice. So, a lamb is chosen, not any lamb, 
a one-year-old male lamb, a most valuable commodity in a group of sheep when you're trying to raise, and you've got a lamb who is now of the age for uh, helping uh, to make more sheep, and uh, you've got uh, uh, one that is vital to the flock in terms of, of creating a larger flock. And not only a male lamb who's one year old, the very best of your flock, the unblemished one, the one who is perfect, the one that just everything about him uh, is just uh, lovely and beautiful and good. And he said, take that lamb and then bring it into your home for four days. Bring it into your life. So you get kind of attached to it, this lovely unblemished lamb, and you're thinking that um, this is one you would really want to keep indefinitely. And so there's an attachment that grows with it as well, a, a love of this lamb. And then the uh, unthinkable is required by the Lord. Sacrifice him. Give him up. You have to lose him for your deliverance. And uh, that was such a profound experience for the Jewish people living in slavery, the Israelites, that it became memorialized. And here it is 3,500 years later, and the Jews still faithfully recall that event, knowing that there are other events throughout their history where God has been the deliverer because of sacrifice. Point number one. Point number two. We heard the earliest version of a description of a Eucharist that is in Holy Scripture. It's not in the Gospels where the story is told on the, uh, the, uh, the Lord's last night with his disciples. It's in Paul's letters to the Corinthians. That's a letter that is a decade or 15 years older than any Gospel. It is uh, from 53 AD about. 53 AD is only 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. You are going back almost to the source, easily within the memory of people. 20 years later, we have easy memories of thinking 20 years back. That's only 2001. And think of the impact, for example, of 9-11. It will have on us this week as we recall an event from 20 years ago. And Paul is writing to this letter indicating and signifying the value and importance of this event, Jesus creating the new Passover, and not a lamb, not an unblemished lamb, not a male unblemished lamb kept for four days, but a human being, an individual, he himself, who has been with them for three years, and they have come to love him and appreciate him and never want him to go away. And... Um, Paul already knows 20 years later, this is an essential part of this early Christian community. It must have been there from the very beginning, because 20 years later, he said, I am passing on what I have received from the Lord, which may have been from the Lord's apostles, but we're within a living generation. So it tells us that from the earliest known days of the church, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, was essential and vital to that community in life-giving. That is a wonderful encouragement for us 2,000 years later. Third, thought about Holy Communion. Simply a lovely story. I was amused at uh, Gary's uh, very proper and right comment that sometimes we tell good stories more than once. It's funny because we were just in the parish hall and Gary asked me to tell a story again that I had told before and asked me to tell it to Ryan. This is one of my favorite communion stories. It's one of those ones that I will never forget I was not a priest, I was simply a young man 
who uh, lived with another young fellow, Trace Devaney. We lived in Columbia. We both were trying to make our way in the business world. And uh, I became very close friends with his mother and father, um, Earl Devaney and Nancy Devaney. They had us over for dinner all the time. These poor, helpless little early college graduates, they were starving and they would bring us into their home and feed us. So I became very close friends with them. And part of what I easily observed about them was that Devaney's never missed Sunday morning. And they always went to a service of Holy Communion. If there was morning prayer being offered, and that was a custom in that parish, just as it has been a custom in this parish in times past, they ended up then going to the early service to enjoy communion. It simply was an essential part of their spiritual lives. Never missed. Earl died suddenly of a heart attack on Sunday afternoon. And it was a, a sudden, unexpected, grievous loss for a, a couple that uh, had one of those just perfectly lovely marriages. They were best friends as well as, if you will, lovers. And the, that friendship just shone through them. So Nancy tells me this story. I'm there in her home a week or 10 days later. And she said, Michael, you won't believe what happened to me last Sunday. So it was the Sunday after Earl had died. She, in her own faithful way, had gone to the early service because that's what they had always done, and she wanted to be there with the Lord. She said, Michael, this had never happened to me before. I went to the altar. I knelt down. The uh, priest came to give me communion, and uh, he, uh, he reached into the patent, took out the bread, and there were two wafers stuck together. And so she said he sat there. He tried to sort of break them, make them separate, and they would not separate. She said, that... That has never happened in my life, Michael, she said. And so he gave me both wafers. And she said, I simply knew that the Lord was telling me that Earl was fine, Earl was with me in heaven, and Earl was here at this communion table because we celebrate this as the communion where all saints gather. There's a great cloud of witnesses gathered around every holy altar of Eucharist. But that for her was a direct message from the Lord himself that Earl is fine, and you will be fine too. And she knew that and believed that. And as you might expect, never missed another communion until the day she died. Three thoughts offered on the Holy Eucharist, Holy Communion. You know, when you think about it, you all know this as well as I, you might think this church could ought to be full on a day like this. Why? It's just Wednesday? No. They're offering Holy Communion, Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the Mass. What a privilege. What a gift. What a precious way the Lord has given us to meet Him, to be nourished by Him, and to be sustained by Him. Alleluia and Amen. Amen. Alleluia.